Turn in our Bibles today to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Notice we're getting progressively smaller again. We went three chapters, then two verses, now we're just down to one verse. Really, we'd almost just do two words today. Two words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, come upon us today that your spirit might open our eyes to this wonderful word before us, that we might understand it, that it might fill us and we might live in accordance with it. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not of yourselves. This is God's inspired word for us today. Now, one would think that because this is Commitment Sunday... Sunday that we've been building up to and and working towards, uh, we might think that the treasure that referred to here might be of monetary or material value. That would really miss the whole purpose of what we are called to do and the whole purpose really of this passage wouldn't really motivate us to any greater faithfulness, I don't think. I'm quite sure we are all fully aware that To do what we are convinced the Lord has called us to do, it will take financial commitment. In fact, it will take great financial commitment for us to achieve that. I think we're all aware as well of the struggles uh, of the current economy. Some people have faced that more than others. Some people's incomes are down because it's tied to investment and and their giving in the campaign will be down. Uh, 18 months from now, when investments are back up, then their giving will be back up as well. That's just simply a fact of life. Yet that sort of treasure really is not our concern, and it should not be our greatest concern. Not today or not any day. Now, we all have to eat. We all have to make our house payments, send our kids to college, or support our children in whatever fashion. Perhaps we want to have something to leave uh, our children or our loved ones or our church or whomever, or perhaps we'd just rather not leave anything to them and spend it all ourselves. Uh, you know, it's that license plate, you know, I'm spending my children's inheritance, something like that. But if we dare, I dare to forget where our real treasure is, then, then we're in big trouble. We are in big trouble. We will never succeed in faithfully serving the Lord if we forget where our real treasure lies and what it really is. Because where our treasures are, there will our heart be as well. Now, as we come to this passage, there are two words, two words that we're going to focus on today. Pot and treasure. Pot and treasure. Now, our Pew Bible translates pot as earthen vessels, but for our purposes, pot serves just fine. First, the pot. Ostrichinus. It is a clay pot. Okay, clay is what? It's dirt. Okay, and I don't know why clay is different than dirt, but if you've ever dug in the dirt and found a seam of clay, I, I, I remember we went to this camp in Pennsylvania, and they had the clay pits. 
And literally, it was a very large seam of gray clay. And it ran, the creek ran at the bottom. And, and once uh, every year, we would go up to this camp. And one day, one afternoon, everybody would go into the clay pits. And we would come out just absolutely gray with clay. And there were a couple girls who had really thick hair. You know, and they were for weeks, they're finding bits of clay in their hair because it was so hard to get out. But it was so much fun, okay, to get in there and mix it up and just throw clay and, and people would come out and only, you know, this would be white, right around the eyes. Everything else would be gray because they were in with the clay. Well, you take that clay and you get out all the impurities and you wash it and you form it into something and you form it into a pot. But at its basic Substance is still dirt. Okay. Now, if you go down to uh, Lowe's this afternoon or Home Depot, wherever, and buy a clay pot, you can get them in this this big or maybe big enough to put on your front porch. You're going to put a tree, a little tree in it or something. You're going to pay some money for that. Lowe's has to make the money. Shipper has to make the money. The plant that made it has to make some money. But understand, in New Testament times, a clay pot was the basis of vessels. It would have been the Ziploc bag of the day. Okay, How many of you, when you put one thing in a Ziploc bag, put it in the fridge, when you use that thing, you take that Ziploc bag, now, be honest, Okay, you t- toss it out. Okay, Or how many of you wash it out and use it three or four times? Okay, uh, I'm a tosser, I hate to say. I'm not very ecologically sound. Uh, we go through Ziploc bags at my house. Same thing with clay pots. Okay? They were the basis of materials. They put anything in them. Okay? They were the storage vessels. It really didn't have any value in and of itself. The only value that came from the clay pot was what was put inside of it. That something else might be of great value, might be of great beauty, or it might be very mundane, or it might be very filthy. Now, sometimes something very important is put into clay pots. Um, the, the Qumran, the Dead Sea Scrolls, were found at Qumran. And Qumran is uh, this series of caves, and there was this little boy, he was chasing his goats, and as his goats were there feeding on whatever bits of grass they could find or anything, he began to throw rocks into these caves. And one of the rocks broke a clay pot. This was many years ago. And he went in to see what it was, and there was this collection of scrolls in these clay pots. Now, these scrolls, known as the Dead Sea Scrolls, are very valuable. And what they do, basically, is undergird all that we have in, this, in our Bible today, showing us that what we have is really very, very good. Okay. Sometimes clay pots were used to bury your valuables. If an invading army was coming... You would take your valuables and you would put them out in a clay pot and you would bury them in a field. But you didn't bury them for very long because as soon as the army was gone, you'd go and dig them up. Because if you leave a clay pot in the ground for too long, what happens to the clay pot? It reverts back to being clay, okay? And it just kind of dissipates and goes away. The most important thing I want you to remember about a clay pot is in the home, in everyday use... It was used mostly to put garbage in, to put waste in, to put the unmentionable things of life in. That was the use of a clay pot. Flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll get a better idea of this. 
2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. Here we have the same word that is used, ostrichinus. This is a clay pot, uh, but it's also mentioned in conjunction with other types of vessels here. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. It says, now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, that's clay pots, and some to honor and some to dishonor. So you have these vessels of gold and silver, and if you're going to put something of value in a vessel, you're probably going to put it in a vessel that gives the appearance that it is worth a lot. You're going to put out on your uh, shelf that, that Ming vase that you've held on to for the last 10 centuries or whatever. Uh, you're going to put out your gold thing and put your flowers or your, your important things in there. And, and those vessels hold important things because it says here, some are to honor, that's the vessels of gold and silver, and then some to dishonor, that's the wood and, and the, the earthenware. And it's not quite enough that the vessels of our honor, and it's not less honor for the pots, but it is dishonor. Verse 21, therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So if you're going to change, in a sense, this vessel, it has to be changed and cleansed. And that's what happens to us. We're these clay pots. And if the Lord is going to use us for his honor, he has to cleanse us. And that is the coming of Christ into our lives. Otherwise, we are simply vessels, and in New Testament times, vessels that no guest would see. No guest would see us throw the garbage into these clay pots. No guest would see us throw the unmentionables into the clay pot and have them tossed out. But the Lord takes us, and he changes us from these vessels of dishonor into vessels of honor. Back to 2 Corinthians. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, Paul talks about this, and he understands when he uses this term exactly what he is talking about. He says, I am frail, I am imperfect, I am common, I am just like this clay pot. Paul says, this is what I am. I think Paul... Paul was continually amazed. I'm reading into Paul, but I think this is it. He was continually amazed that the Lord would take someone like him and pour into him this fabulous treasure. Paul was a clay pot, and he knew it. But in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who strengthened me because he considered me faithful enough, putting me to service. Now, Paul is shocked. Here's a man of 60 years old by this time when he's writing in 1 Timothy. He's probably been a Christian for 30-some years. He has been through hardships. He has seen the Lord do miraculous things. He spent three years in the desert being taught by the Holy Spirit. And yet Paul is shocked that the Lord has chosen him, this baked dirt vessel, to hold this fabulous treasure. He says, I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, I was violent, and yet I was shown mercy, and the grace of our Lord was more than abundant, and I will tell you, it is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am chief. 
Did you get that? Among whom I am chief. Not I was chief. Paul is not referring back to the time when he was the persecutor and the blasphemer. Paul is talking about his present state. He says, I am a chief of sinners. Now, how can it be that the Lord would choose the chief of sinners to pour into him this wonderful treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can that possibly be? I don't think Paul ever gets over that in amazement that he is just simply shocked that the Lord will have chosen him. It doesn't matter whether you're a preacher or a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a student, wherever you are in life, you realize that none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. Let's look at some of the great people in Scripture. Abraham was a liar, yet he became a man of faith and a friend of God. Moses was a stutterer, or had a quick temper, yet he was chosen to build a nation and be the presence in the presence of God and receive his law in the tablets. David, we know about David, adulterer, conspirator, murderer, unfaithful husband, terrible father, all of these things. But he repented. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a beautiful songwriter that we still sing his songs today when we sing the Psalms. Elijah, the prophet, remember, he he took on the prophets of Baal. And here you have the prophets of Baal, and they're going to see whose God is really uh, the true God. And they dance around their sacrifice, and nothing happens, and nothing happens. And then it's Elijah's turn, and Elijah prays, and the fire comes down and consumes everything. And they kill these prophets of Baal. And Elijah runs off because Jezebel says, I'm going to kill him. I'm not going to eat until he's dead. And he goes off, and he hides in the cave, and he says, Lord, take my life. I must be the only one left. And the Lord speaks to him in this still small voice and says, No, there are 7,000 yet who have not bended the knee to Baal. You are not the only one left. What about Isaiah? In the presence of the heavenly vision, he says, Woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in a nation of people of unclean lips. And the Lord cleanses him, changes him. And he says, What then? Lord, send me. Here I am. Send me. What about Peter? Peter was kind of impetuous, hot-headed, said he'd never deny the Lord, denied him three times, actually corrected, tried to correct Jesus as if Jesus was wrong in something that he said. But yet the Lord restored him. He had prayed for Peter. He said, I'm going to let Satan sift you, but I have prayed for you. And then the Spirit indwelt him after Pentecost, and in one sermon, 3,000 people were added to the church. This is a clay pot. Somebody who was nothing other than dirt, but yet the Lord poured into these people this fantastic treasure. Why? In order that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God. May be of God and not of ourselves. That's the pot. Let's look at the treasure. This treasure is not what we find in verse 6. Verse 6 says, For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It is not simply the knowledge of the gospel, but it is the work of the gospel ministry that is the treasure that has been poured into us today as clay pots, as these vessels of, of dirt Yet this wonderful treasure is poured into us. This word treasure is thesaurizo. It's where we get the word thesaurus from. A thesaurus is a treasury of words. Okay? A treasury of words. A treasure 
as this word is used for, was usually reserved for the most precious of things in a person's life, be it gold or silver or gems or whatever really was was of highly esteemed value in their lives. Or it could be a relationship. It could be a relationship with a parent or a loved one or a spouse or a child. Whatever was closest to that person's heart, that's what the treasure was. And understand the contrast. You just can't draw the contrast large enough for us to understand. Here you have a vessel that is dirt. You mix a little water in it. You form it. You bake it. You have a vessel. And over here you have this wonderful treasure. Now the vessel has no worth in and of itself. Only what is poured into the vessel makes it worth anything. And over here you have a treasure of inestimable worth. You can't put a value on that treasure. Yet the Lord takes that treasure and he puts it into us who are clay vessels. I mean, just us. We've seen what he has done with Abraham and Moses and David and Elijah and and Isaiah and Peter. Look what he does through the likes of us as well. Are we any different than these individuals? Dirt is dirt. Are you as dumb as dirt? Well, yeah. We're just as dumb as these other people who are dirt as well. John illustrates salvation between light and darkness, life and death. Those are the extremes. These are the extremes as well. Clay pot and treasure. Clay pot and treasure. Charles Hodge, a professor at Princeton, writes, This treasure is the most grandest of truths. It produces the most astonishing effects as it frees men from the chains and condemnation of sin. The exceedingly great power of the gospel ministry is manifest in us, and we are nothing but clay jars, and we have no power of our own. If we accomplish any great work, if we are successful in any great evangelistic endeavor, if we are able to do far more abundantly than all we can think or imagine, it is because of the power at work within us. Clay pots have no ability. Clay pots have no worth. But the treasure that is placed within us is invaluable. Nobody can ever boast, you know, I'm this clay pot. And look what I did. Because no clay pot does anything. The only thing we can boast in is the fact that we're nothing. So we should greet one another. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm nothing. How are you? I'm nothing too. Okay, that's, that's the way it should be. But yet, what is within us? It is the treasure. This treasure. You know, the New Testament was not written by, nor was the early church expanded by those who were the cream of the crop, the top of society. God did not use the Greeks. He did not use the Romans. He did not use the scholars. He didn't use the great successes to do all these things. He used clay pots. The Lord bypassed the likes of Herodotus and Socrates. He bypassed Hippocrates and Plato and and Aristotle. He didn't use Euclid, the mathematician, Archimedes, the great uh, mechanics, father of mechanics. He didn't use Cicero, the great orator. Who did he use? Tax gatherers, fishermen, the guys who were smelly, You know, in real life, nobody wanted to be around them. But into this pot, the treasure was poured. Why did he do this? So his power could be demonstrated. 
so his power could be demonstrated. And God is still doing that today. A.T. Robinson writes, There are those in the world who are so clever that God will never make any use of them. There are those in the world who are so clever that God will never make any use of them. For they could never do his work because they are so lost in the admiration of themselves. Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his, my utmost for his highest, that little devotional. God can achieve his purposes either through the absence of human power and resources or the abandonment of reliance upon them. All through history, God has chosen and used nobodies because their unusual dependence on him made possible the unique display of his power and grace. He chose and used somebodies only when they renounced their own ability. Only when they realized that they were nothing but a clay pot. That's when God used them. Only when they came and said to him, Lord, I am nothing. And took pride in the fact that they were nothing. But yet the Lord was everything. Now, friends, this is one clay pot to another. Okay? Fragile, frail, fickle, dirt. Is that how we view ourselves? But yet into us has been poured this wonderful gospel ministry. The opportunity to share the gospel of Christ. The opportunity to have the power of God manifest in our lives to such a degree that it can only be the power of God. No one can say, look and say, Randy, you did a great job. Not me. Dirt here. The power of God. That's who did it. That's who did it. We are clay pots into which the Lord has poured the greatest of all treasures, the proclamation and the demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, I want us as clay pots to join together. We who are nothing, let's watch the Lord do something. Okay? Today, we're not going to be involved and say, we're going to do this great work. We're going to come and say, I'm a pot I'm nothing but dirt, and Lord, here is what I have to offer. Do a work. Do a work within us. See, in a moment, we're going to pray. Between now and then, if you haven't filled out a commitment card, this is our card for Randy and Judy, you have the opportunity to do that. Just put your name on it, the amount that you're going to commit There's a neat little chart on one side that helps you understand if you're going to give on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or an annual basis. Uh, There's a section there that if you have a gift that's other than cash, if you have a piece of property that you're going to sell and give or give to the church or stock or whatever it may be, then you can fill that out as well. This is a a time when we who are clay pots come and, and we're just going to give to the Lord. Say, Lord, here we are. Do the work. It's beyond us. It's beyond us. When we filled this out, we talked about it, filled it out, we knew there was an amount we could do. Say, I think we can do this. But what would the Lord, what's he going to do? And there's a distinction between what Randy and Judy can do And then there's what the Lord can do. Okay? 
We're not talking about an equal gift. We all can't give at the same level. We're talking about an equal sacrifice. For the next three years, we're here to see what the Lord can do with what we are going to place in his hands. So will you pray with me? Lord, as we come today, we are the pots that you have made. Some pots, Lord, we know are the recipient of trash. Some vessels you have created for destruction. And some you have created that your glory might be manifest in us that you would place within us this fantastic treasure. Lord, we come today to make these commitments, knowing that in our own minds there might be uncertainty, knowing that uh, we look at the world around us and it says one thing, but yet your word tells us to trust and to do what is right and to do it with an open mind and and a sharp mind and, and an open heart, trusting you. Lord, more than anything else, that as we make our commitments and as we give, that we would understand that this is worship. That you have called us for a purpose and placed us in this world for a time that we might worship and glorify you. And this is simply one aspect of that. Lord, we would not give just out of the blessings of of the secular world that, that you have bestowed upon us, but we would give out of the blessings of the treasure that is really in our hearts. A desire to see others come to Christ. A desire to see the kingdom of Christ expand. A desire to see you at work doing more than we could ever think or imagine. Or take this time now. That it might be pleasing in your sight. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. As Anne plays, she's going to play a variety of hymns. You just sing along if you know the words. Some of you know the words to all four verses. We're not going to sing all four verses, maybe one or two. And I'm going to invite you to come down just as as you're led and, and place your commitments in this basket down here. And let's make sure we remember that this is a time of worship and a time that God would receive the glory for what he has done in our lives. If you're unable to to make it down here, put it in somebody else's hands. Make sure it's in an envelope. Uh, These envelopes will only be opened by Julie. She's the only one who will know you'll receive updates on a regular basis from her uh, about how you're doing. You'll receive communication from me and from her relative to what the Lord has called us to do. So, Anne, if you'll play a little bit, and I would just encourage you to come and place your commitments here in the back. Sings my soul. 